Wow. That guy is one funny dude, isn't he? You, man, I love you, Derek. You are awesome, and I appreciate it. And I love this place. This is a special district uh, for me. So many friends. Pastor Mark just turned to me and said, man, you have a lot of friends in this network, in this district. And I said, I do have a lot of friends here, and I'm just honored to be here. Thanks, Noe. Uh, to be here with you. And you know what's interesting is a lot of times I get these pre-game jitters when I preach. Does anybody have that type of deal? Like, you know, yeah, like basically it's like I'm not, so people kind of ask me like, man, you've been doing this for a long time. You get nervous. And I said, well, I don't know about nervous as much as kind of like excited and pumped and like, oh God, help us tonight. You know what's weird? I don't feel any of that. And I don't think it's because I don't care. I think it's because I sense that there is a holy move of the spirit and there's a hunger in the room that you're here and that there is a deep spiritual uh, covering in this house that just, man, I just feel like, that's why I said, maybe you could get a stool because I feel more of like talking to you guys about what God's been speaking in my heart for us to pray and just hear from the Lord than to kind of a preaching type deal. Now, I know no matter what happens, even if I act like I'm not going to preach something, we'll probably come out that way, just kind of how it is. But man, I'm so glad to be with you guys. And I love this place. You know, this, this uh, auditorium is special to me because uh, I've been here two or three times. One time I did a youth camp here for Emmanuel and that was really special. And I actually met, anybody know Mike and Mona Shields? Anybody know them? And when they were the DYDs here back in the day, I, I came here with Sam Farina and traveled with him. And uh, that's when I met all kinds of people. I met Reggie Dabbs back when he was traveling with North Central and playing his sax up here and met uh, a whole lot of different people that I just, I'm so thankful for spiritual fathers like Sam Farina and Mike Shields, Gary Grogan, people like this that after the service is over, they kind of, they let me go back to the speaker's room and sit there and just hear them tell stories and talk about God and talk about serving the Lord and and just kind of what happened in the service and did you see this and this is why I did this and I'm just so thankful for that and I'm thankful for this district that's filled with spiritual fathers and mothers who love God and love people and want to make a difference and so I'm just so thankful for you and I'm thankful for our pastor and I know we already gave him a hand but I just want you to know I appreciate your heart and I appreciate what you're doing and the faithfulness of your ministry and uh, just how you have served the Lord and you serve this district so well. Maybe could we just clap for him one more time and just let him, we love you and appreciate you. Guys, to, thank you for letting me come back. Um, hey guys, when y'all were doing that singing a while ago, that was pretty amazing when you I don't know when I've been in a service lately that we've sung uh, God is so good, even though I know it's like the remix deal and it's so good and, and it's really good. So it wasn't like I was going like, dude, I don't know when I've been around doing something like that. God, what's wrong with you? No, I think it was a sovereign deal. It was a pretty cool deal because that was the song that was our traveling on the road song with my mom and dad. I don't know. Did you all ever have stuff like that? Like it was kind of your family song. And, and my dad and mom, we just start singing in the car. You said, no. <laughs> I love that when I look out and people go, no, don't have a clue what you're saying. <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. Wow. Okay. So, well, that happened in my family. Okay. And so uh, we would be on the road and my mom and dad, they'd turn the radio off and we'd be on a long trip. Maybe 
We went to every general council since I can remember being born. <laughs> I don't remember being born, but I'm saying since I was a kid. And I remember going on those long trips and my mom would be up there and they'd turn it off and they'd just say, okay, guys, let's sing it. God is so good. God is so good. And I don't know why. I mean, I was eight, 10, 11. Usually you'd think we'd rebel and say, no, not again. No, I just kind of get, God is so good. He's so good to me. And then my mom would say something. Okay, who wants to lead one of the verses? Because it would, and it wasn't like what we got now. It'd be like, He answers prayer. Come on, sing it with me. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to me. And it would go for about an hour. <laughs> because somebody else say, he gave us our dog. <laughs> yep, I mean, because <laughs> all right now, what about you, Bracey? You know, and it would, every one of us had something, and it just went around. It, it, it did more than kill time. It brought it back to me. He is so good. And speaking of car rides, my dad being my pastor my whole life, and I... I, I would go to school in the morning, like dads would take, you know, kids to school. Maybe your dad took you, maybe your mom did, or maybe you caught the bus. But from the time I was five years old till I was a freshman in high school, my dad was the one who took all of us to school. And I know, like most kids I knew and talked to, they were able to study for their spelling test. They were able to study for whatever was going on, maybe review, maybe listen a little bit of music, whatever, but not us. My dad being a pastor and a man of God, he had us memorize scriptures all the way to school from the time I was five years old all the way till I was 14. Now, I know right now y'all are all going, oh, hallelujah. I wasn't then. I am now. I mean, because my dad, but back then I was going like, why can't we be like normal kids? Why can't I just sit here and sleep? Or why can't I study? Why do we have to memorize verse? But it would be, all right, Scott, what verse are we doing this week? And, and he, we would memorize a verse. And not easy ones like we'd go, Jesus wept or, or for God. So the, no, it would be stuff like 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into that image from glory to ever increasing glory. Man, when you're eight years old, that's a lot of stuff. To <laughs> you're saying it, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm looking in a glass, glory, all that. I mean, gosh, come on, what's going on? But let me tell you something. I thank God now that I know all those verses. How many of you right now say, I wish my mom and dad would have made, you know, you get what I'm saying? To have that in you. What, what an incredible deal. And we would do that all the way to school. And then right when we would turn the corner to get my dad to, to get to the school, he would pray for us. And right before we'd get out, he'd say, okay, what's the family verse? Say the family. So I would say, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalm 1914, love you, dad. As if love you, dad, was part of the verse as I shut the door. And I guess I've been reflecting on these things and then even having the song tonight was special because a year ago, this last August, I was at general council when I got the phone call that my dad passed to go be with the Lord. He had been struggling with Lewy body dementia. And those of you who know what that is know how terrible 
terrible, terrible of a disease it is. It's an Alzheimer type disease, but it's, it's not just losing memory. It actually eats away at your brain in such a way that he started acting out in ways that aren't like him, you know, became paranoid and, and, and hallucinating and, and just even violent. It was really bad. And uh, I remember going and seeing him in the memory care center, uh, Derek, as I walked in one day, about three months before he passed, I walked in to say hi to him. And as I walked into the memory care, he's standing there talking to the nurse, kind of like this or, uh, across the counter like this. And he's talking to her. And I walk in and I just stand by him like this, kind of to surprise him. And as he looked over at me, he kind of put his hand out like this. Because usually if he would say, oh, hey, it's you. No, he goes, it's almost like, wait your turn. I'm talking to her. He didn't know who it was. The lady, the nurse said, hey, who's that, Dr. Wilson? Who's that standing next to you? And he goes, well, he's a fine looking young man. She said, yeah, but look again. Who is that? And he, well, he looks very familiar. The third time she said, Dr. Wilson, look at him. And, see, and he said, let me tell you something. If you want to know who he is so bad, why don't you ask himself? Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's a smart guy. And I turned his shoulders to me like this, and I said, hey, you know me. Look me in my eyes. Listen to my voice. And my dad squinted his eyes, almost, he was looking into my eyes as if he was trying to see into my soul. He went like this, and he goes, Scott? Scott, is that you? I said, yeah. He goes, then he turns to the eight other memory care patients who are kind of not knowing what's going on either, but he goes, it's my son. My son is here. It's Scott. Scott is here. Like this. He went from not knowing who I was to announcing to everybody who didn't care <laughs> that I was there. Man, it's just been a, a tough deal. And, I, and as I've been thinking about these things, part of what I have come to know like never before is I got dad issues. And I, and I got mom issues because my mom and dad were human. One of my biggest dad issues right now is my dad's not around. I don't have a dad. And some of y'all know that pain. I had a guy in my church come up to me and he goes, Pastor, I'm all sad for you about your dad dying. Really, I am. But can I just tell you, at least you had one, okay? Because at five, my dad died. I didn't have nobody teach me how to share. I didn't have nobody talk to me about um, a girl or going on a date. I had, I've never even had a dad. At least you had him for 50 years. Right next to him was another guy, and he goes, well, let me tell you something, man. We're, there was just, it was a guy thing, and they're all standing around. They heard it, and the other guy goes, well, I'll tell you, having a dad isn't all that's cut out to be, and tears coming down his eyes. He gets so mad. He said, my dad got up and grabbed me like this every day and got in my face and said, I'm the meanest MF-er. But he said it. You'll ever know you better never cross me. And he's got tears, he wipes his face. He says, that's why every day maybe I struggle with my, relating with my wife and my kids and at work. 21 million people growing up without a dad in the home. And some of you in here, just because you have pastor or you're in a ministry position, doesn't mean the people in here aren't impacted by this. Every one of us are. Every one. My dad and mom, ministers since the day I was born. Their parents on both sides, AG ministers. 
executive presbyters. It does not exempt me from having dad issues and mom issues. We got to own it. I got issues. Now, I'm not trying to compare it in such a way that some of you, you have deeper issues and you may go like, what kind of issues do you really have? Well, it doesn't really matter because here's the deal. I got a good dad and there's a lot of people who don't have a good dad. They don't have a dad or they have an abusive dad or a mom that wasn't affectionate or really there for them or whatever it is. But the difference between a good parent and a bad parent is like that. But let me tell you something. The difference between a good parent or a good father and a perfect father is from here to the stars. So many of us have this little thing that kind of messes this up sometimes is that we walk around and go, I had a good dad. What is it? I mean, I got, I'm fine. I don't got no problems. And yet what you don't understand is that even if you had a good dad, it's not a perfect dad. And this is why God says, I will be a father to the fatherless. It doesn't just mean I'll be a dad to those of you who didn't have one around. It means I'll be a dad to you in the places that your dad wasn't. I will fill every gap and I will heal every wound. It's a big deal. In this prayer and fasting, I feel like as I was praying for this, this is where... God's wanting us, the Father's wanting us to go here tonight first is because, let me tell you something. I'm looking across this room right here and there's some incredible men and women of God. Some of you know, I know, some of you I can just, I know just from being with you and just sensing it, you're incredible men and women of God. And and you are in here doing everything you know how to do to love God and love people. But can I tell you something? You can't be a dad if you haven't first been a son. You can't be a... Think about it biologically. Is it even possible to be a father if you haven't been a son? No. But guess what? We know that biologically, but spiritually many of us miss it and we think we can learn how to be a real good dad but still have dad issues and not know how to be a son. And yet God wants to, is saying to you right now, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. You're special to me. Where your dad missed it and where your mom missed it, I'll fill the gap. I'll heal the wound. Big stuff. Now, this isn't just something that is me and you. Can I tell you something that I think the theologians in the room, you can help me later if I'm missing it, but it's pretty much, I know I'm right. Okay, so here's the deal. (laughs) Jesus had the same need See, what I found out in this whole deal with my dad is what I want in my heart so desperate from my dad is just a representation of what I desperately need from this dad. Until I am intimately connected to this father, the fulfillment and peace and what I need in here cannot be whole unless I'm intimately connected here. Same thing with Jesus. You say, well, come on. I have a struggle with that. Okay. If it wasn't true with Jesus, then why do we have in Luke 3, 22, him at his baptism, and the Father speaks, not just so that he can hear it, but that we can hear it too, that he says, this is my son who I love, 
in whom I am well pleased. He said it because Jesus needed to hear it. You with me? Because this is the very core essence of what every single one of us needs. Every single one of us want these three things from a dad on earth and a mom. We, we need it, okay? We're, uh, from the heavenly father. It's, it's what? You're my son. That's identity. If you don't know that you're a son, if you don't know you're a daughter, if you don't have that as the ultimate core identity of who you are, then you're going to crave it in who you marry, what you do. Your ministry will be your identity. The, the things that you can do and the success that you attain, what you have will be your identity. But at the very core, the essence of your soul will not be healed, will not be whole until it resonates in your heart that you're his daughter and you're his son. He loves you. That's affection. You want me to just blow your mind? I mean, I, you guys have preached this, so I can't blow your mind too much. Y'all all already preached it. But I'll tell you what a blow is. It'll blow in your soul. It'll blow up your soul if you, you move it from your doctrine to your real true belief. The Father said, I love you, and I'm proud of you, pleased with you, before he ever did a miracle, before he ever preached a message, before he even started his ministry. Can I tell you how backwards this seems to be in my thinking so much? I am so driven to, man, if I, can, if I don't get this church going, if I don't get the numbers going, if I don't get the money raised, if we don't build another church, if we don't do another thing, then I'm going to let God down. I'm gonna let, I got I to do these things so that God can be pleased with me. I got to work my butt off so he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. There is an understanding of stewardship for sure. But understand this, everyone. The father said, you're my son. I love you and I delight in you. And he hadn't done nothing. I wonder what it would be like if we didn't live our lives feeling like I had to do stuff in order to get God to like me and we just were able to soak in, I'm his son and he loves me and he is well pleased with me. And from that is the momentum and the motivation we have to do everything we do. Not because I got to earn it, but because I'm so full of it, of his love and his pleasure. It's just like, I can't stand it. I got I to gotta love somebody else. I want you to notice that not only did he say this, some of you go, well, of course he feels that way about Jesus. How many of you have ever felt like it's easy to preach God so loves the world, it's harder to feel like the world includes you? You know, even as a preacher, sometimes I'm going, I don't, I'm not that good. I'm not doing that good. I have sin issues. I have thought issues. I have attitude issues. I, I, I'm just not that other person. I'm not as good as that person. And all these things drive us to where we are striving and we're driving. And especially if your mom and dad were the kind that, hey, I see on here all A's and one B, what happened? happened you know if it's like if you didn't get first place what's wrong with you know what's wrong with or hey I know or they say words like you're you're never going to succeed or these words that kind of hit us and these different things that come on us if it, that stuff will become what a filter a skewed view between you and God that when you see God and you hear father it's not your favorite message to preach or their favorite message topic to even hear because to put God and the word father in the same is a difficult for some because 
the definition of father for many is not something they want to put in connection to God. And so there's this skewed filter. And it's only when he comes and fills the gaps and it's only when he heals those things can we see him truly what a perfect father looks like. And it impacts us in that way. But I want you to notice something, guys, is that God wants you to know the reason why he spoke. You're my son. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. And for everyone else to hear it, not him. How many of you know most of the time when God the Father spoke to Jesus, Jesus heard it, but not anybody else. So the only way we know what God the Father said to Jesus is when he tells us the Father says this. When my dad didn't know who I was, why was that such a big deal? He said, that's my dad. My whole identity's wrapped up of I'm Tom Wilson's son. He didn't know who I am. And then when it turned around and he recognizes me and he announces the world, it's my son, it's Scott, it's my son, he's here. You want to talk about emotions all over the place. Why? Because it's, it's, it speaks to my identity, to that part inside of me. But let me tell you something, as much as I want to have that connection with my earthly father and I'm missing my earthly father. Let me tell you something bigger than that. What I need in here, what I need in here is to know right now that when I wake up in the morning, the father is looking at me and he is pleased with me and he loves me. And he goes, that's my son. That's my boy. (laughs) Even like right now, just like, Look at him. He ain't the greatest preacher, but look what, you know, he's not the the sharpest tool we got, but you know what he is? He sure does love us. He sure does love me. He sure does love those people. Look at him. His, I mean, he's just exploding with hoping that they get it. Look at him. Gabriel, come here. Michael, get over here. You get what I'm saying? I mean, I need him to say, it's my son. It's my, Scott, it's him. When you feel that in here, And you know that in here beyond a theological, doctrinal thought. You know it in here. I'm one of his favorites. I'm his boy. I'm his girl. When my dad's kind of been way out there, it was hard because I just wanted him to tell me he thinks I'm doing good at the church. Just wanted him to tell me, proud of you. And you say, well, did he not say that? No, he did. But I couldn't believe anything he said. The guy thinks he's working. He, he, he would get his dissertation. This is not making fun. Sometimes if you've been in this, it gets so intense. Sometimes you just got to laugh at some of the things. He would take his dissertation out, which he went back to school and got his doctorate degree in his 60s, guys. Because he was so heartbroken over kids in the inner cities who didn't have education. So he went back to get his doctorate so he could open a free tuition school that now my brother heads up that has 5,000 students in it, 10 locations, free tuition. So he'd open his dissertation and read it at Fox News because he thought he was on Trump's cabinet on education. So there was just, it's okay to laugh. It's okay. I mean, it's all you can do, you know. So I thought I was with my counselor and I go to counseling every other week for two hours. You say, oh yeah, probably needed it with your dad. No, I did it 20 years ago, started doing that. I don't think of counseling as something I need to do in crisis. It's something I need to do for my growth, for my development. 
listen, you don't go dig a well when you're dying of thirst. Dig it before you need it. So I was talking to my counselor and I said, gosh, man, I'm struggling with my dad. He said, I know, I'm looking over there and I see a whole bag full of stuff you hadn't unpacked yet. You might, as well, might want to do that. It's going to be a little bit more complicated on the side. I said, I'm trying. The guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. How do I do it? He said, well, tell me what you mean. I said, I stepped down off the pulpit, you know, off the stage every Sunday. I come down. He's sitting right over here. And the whole service, he's had his hand up like this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he's crying. Hallelujah. And then when I come down, he walks over to me and he walks up and grabs my face and says, oh, you're the greatest pastor. You're the most wonderful pastor. I'm so proud of you. And he goes, well, what's that? I said, how do I know? He thinks he's on Trump's cabinet. I, that, that doesn't mean nothing to me. He goes, it should. This, the way the disease work has nothing to do with that. That, do you understand? He's never been more honest with how he thinks about you than he is right now. He has no filter. I go, man, I need to schedule dinner with the guy. <laughs> Seriously, it woke me up like, my gosh. So I called my mom. I said, you think there'll be a time that would be good for me to come? She said, how about come tomorrow? Come about this time. It's probably the best time for him. So I called ahead. She said, it's good. Come. And when I knocked on the door and came in, I said, hey, I'm here. He was sitting right there in a chair, totally dressed, sitting just like this, looking at the door. And when I walked in, he said, time to go like this. And my mom said, he's been sitting there an hour waiting for you. I said, come on, Dad, let's go. We went to eat a steak. He ordered a salad. Took us three hours because he cut every piece of lettuce over and over and over. It's just the way it is. And when you've ever been around somebody that's in this type of place, they have their minds fixated on certain things. And so a lot of times you can't talk about what you want to talk about. You can just go on the journey with them of what they are thinking and talking about. And on this certain night, he was fixated on the kids on the border. This was during the time, if you remember a year ago, where the people were crossing the Mexican border and kids were coming across and they're trying to get them across and they're, they're in places and shelters. They're, it's a big deal. My dad says, son, we must do something about the border. And I said, what border? You know, the border of Mexico. The children are coming and we must do something. I have the solution. I go, wow. He pulls out a napkin, and on the napkin, there's all these written scratches. You can't even read anything except for this one little box that looks like a billboard and, and words on it. And I said, Dad, is that like a billboard? Yes, son, this is what we must do. This billboard must go up at every crossing of the border. It must say, welcome to your window of opportunity, life school in Oaks Church. Here's a guy who's lost his mind, but not his vision. I said, Dad, we need to, you're right. That is the hope. But I was a little disappointed because I could never get the conversation to come around to me. We got in the car, took him back to the memory care, and as we sat in the parking lot, I just turned to him and said, hey, Dad, we're going to go up, but can I just ask you a question? Sure, son. Um, you know, for the last 30 years, you and I have worked together at the church. Best years of my life. I said, do you, do you remember? How could I forget? So for the last 20 years, you know, I've been pastoring and you've been there and I just was wondering, do you think I'm doing okay? Okay. 
You feel like we're doing it all right? He said, son, I'm so proud of you. You're doing so good. Every week I'm there, I think, wow, that's my son, and he's my pastor. I'm so proud. It's wonderful. And in that moment, I felt like I was five years old going to school in the car with my dad. And I said, Dad, do you think I could just, um, could we just have a moment where you would pray with me like you would pray when we go to school? Maybe it's kind of like the Old Testament where the dads would pray over the sons and pray that mantle to be released. Would you pray with me like that? Of course. Of course I will, son. So here's the console. You get it in your head in the car, the console. I leaned over the console like this. And he put his hands on me as he sat there. And he said, God, I pray your grace and anointing be on my son. I pray you would use him to do wonderful things. Thank you that everything I have, you'll put in him. And God, we just cry out for the kids on the border. No lie. Just help them. And that's how, but man, that was good enough for me. And as much as that touched my heart and made me feel like, God, my dad's proud of me. Let me tell you, it's good. But it doesn't last like I need it to last. I need every single morning when I get on my face before him, I say, God, I want to walk in alignment with you. I give everything I am. I just want to know. You're pleased. With me. I'm, I'm, I'm in alignment, God. I need him to hear it. I need to hear him say, I am well pleased with you. You're my son. I love you. Man, I delight being with you. That's not just what he thinks about Jesus. It's what he thinks about you. Just, just walk with me for a second here. Listen, you guys over here, just talk eyes with me for a minute. I'm just tell you. This, we're not having a preacher moment. There's no such thing. We're having a human moment. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Not because you do anything. Not even less love because of the things you've done. He loves you. He is head over heels in love with you. And he is pleased with you. And the only way that moves into a place where it's not just doctrine, but it's in here, is if you believe. What did Jesus say was the work? Remember how the, the disciples were asking him, so what work do we need to do to please God? He said, this is the work of God. Believe in the one who has sent him. The, the whole deal of our work is to believe. Believe it. When my dad's funeral took place last August, my mom asked my youngest son, Dakota, if he would sing. My son, I have three sons, Dylan, Hunter, and Dakota. Uh, Dylan's in ministry. Hunter's in ministry. They have different things they do. Uh, but Dakota is my youngest son who's just different than us. He's very, very smart, very intellectual. He's a singer-songwriter, unbelievably gifted. He's struggling in his faith in the sense of not sure just because dad and mom uh, believe a certain way that that's just how it is. He does not believe that we're fake or that we're lying. He's just not sure that it's what it is for him. 
Talk about going to counseling. Because you want me to tell you the honest truth? Okay, let's just be totally honest. I'm sorry that I've been so judgmental in my life that I've looked at preachers who had kids who were in rebellion and thought, ah, that tells me what's going on at your house. I mean, if you were really true blue, if you were really what you needed to be, that wouldn't be happening because your kids, the reason why they're acting that way, they see something at home versus what they see at the church. Now, can that be true in some cases? Sure. But let me tell you something. I sat on the couch with my son, the counselor, and I've cried and I said, son, if you just tell me, I will repent. I will confess. I don't know what I've done. I've searched my heart. I don't know what have I done that makes you not trust God. You know what I'm thinking? I'm going, how can I be a preacher who's helping people get saved in my own son, in my own home? Struggles to believe it's real. I have to have screwed up. The counselor said, time out, time out, time out. You've been with me for four years now, Coda. Tell me one time you've spoken about your mom and dad, about how they're fake or they've messed up or they've hurt you. And he said, dad, it's not, I haven't, it's not it. You just got to know, Dad, I can't just do it because you do it. I got to find it for myself. I love you, and you've been a great dad. Can I tell you? I was just bawling, and he hugs me. He says, I love you, Dad. He and I are great, but he's still struggling here. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But my mom said, would you sing at the funeral and asked him what he's saying, I surrender all. I want that song to be more than a song for him. But he gets up and he sings, and when he's singing, he's singing, Oh, to Jesus, precious Savior, I surrender. And his hands over his heart, he's going, I surrender. And it seems to me like there's a God moment going on. I have watched that video over a hundred times. I got it on video. I listen to it over and over. My wife listens to it. We listen to it in the morning when we're praying, praying for him. I surrender all. It was so powerful. Service is over. We go to the graveside. I come back. And when I come back, my wife, Jenny, pulls me aside and says, you need to talk to Coda. I said, okay, man, yeah, he did great. Yeah, he did, but you need to talk to him. Something happened. I said, what happened? She said, you need to go talk to him. I'll tell you what happened, but he's had about as much family as he can handle. And uh, you're going to need to go talk to, walk in the car and talk to him. And I said, okay, what went on? She said, well, I went up to him after the service was over, and I went back, and I told him how great he was doing, and he was just kind of sitting off by himself. And I said, what's, what's wrong, Cody? He said, nothing. He said, but Jenny said, I, I, you did incredible. That was amazing. Nana was crying. She loved it. You, you ministered to people in such a huge way. That was, he said, yeah, okay, whatever. She said, what is wrong? He said, okay, I'll tell you, but it's not a big deal, okay? What? Well... Dad's uncle was over there talking, and he was talking to a bunch of people, and this is what happened, is that my uncle was over telling a group of people and bragging on me and bragging on my, my family, and he was saying this to the people. Man, I'll tell you right now, if Tommy's up in heaven looking down, I'll tell you what, he'd be smiling big time. Look at this place. Look at this place. This place is crazy. Look at this. He, 
his son's a mega church pastor. He's, oh my God, look at all. You know he's proud. And he's got that son, Dylan. He was a football player, almost went professional. You know, this is how he's talking. It's not true. He was a football player. It wasn't like that, Scott. But he goes, he almost went perfect, played that K-State D1 athlete, married that girl who's a famous singer. She's like famous. And they're now at that church, that transformation church thing, one of the fastest growing churches in the nation. They're on Seth. I mean, you know he's proud of that. And that Hunter, he's executive pastor at the church, worked full time. He's brilliant. He's got a master's degree and all. Married that doctor's daughter. She is so rich. They're rich. They're just amazing. I'm telling you, Tommy's got to be proud. And then, you know, every family's got one. There's Dakota. And he's up there, you know, he's the one, you saw him, he was a hippie kid up there singing and, and uh, you know, he's not really in church or nothing, but you know, every family has that black sheep. And Dakota was standing right behind him. So I said, I'll go talk to him. Say, hey, Coda, man, that was sure great. Thanks, Dad. So, can I walk you to the car? Sure. I mean, son, seriously, that was amazing. Oh, thanks. I, I, I mean, that really meant a lot to our family. Thank you for doing that. I know it's not your favorite thing to do, all that, but thank you. Oh, man, anything for Papa and Anna. We got to the car, and he's standing in front of me. I said, can we just have a minute here? Sure. Said, so Mom just told me what happened with my uncle. Yeah, it's no big deal. Said, so it is a big deal. Would you just give me a minute? Yeah. So just look up at me for a minute because you need to hear what I'm about to tell you. My uncle's a hurting person. He's hurting. It makes him vulnerable and susceptible for the enemy to use him. So I forgive him because that's not him. That was the enemy trying to tear you up because God just used you in such a phenomenal, unbelievably awesome way. The devil did not want to have anything happen to where you might think something great in that. So the enemy planted that where he knew it was not a coincidence that you heard it. It was a lie from the pit of hell to tell you, you don't fit in. You're a black sheep. Everybody else is one way, but you're another. You weren't built for this. Everybody else is built like this, but not you. And that's a lie of the enemy. Let me tell you what your dad was saying on the front row. Before you sang a note, I turned to my district superintendent, my assistant superintendent, my secretary treasurer, and all the presbytery sitting on the front row. And I leaned down. I said, hey. And because... It was my dad's funeral. Hey was okay for them. <laughs> I wouldn't usually say hey. <laughs> but I said hey. And they all looked at me. I said, wait till you hear this. My son's about to sing. It's going to blow you away. So while my uncle was saying, you're a black sheep, don't fit in. God, the father, was speaking through this dad. And saying, wait till you hear him. You never heard anything like this. It's the most powerful, anointed, gifted thing you're about to hear. Now, let me tell you something. While I believe this is truth and this is a lie, it doesn't matter what I believe as much as it is what you believe. The devil has a vote. God's got a vote. And whoever you vote with becomes your truth. I 
I hope by now you've moved past the pastoring into the real of who you are with this. Because let me tell you something. Every one of you is human, and you grew up with a coach that said something to you, a teacher who said something to you, a mom and dad that said something to you, lies and labels that were placed on you that have been meant to limit you and hinder you and skew your view of yourself and who you are in God. And many of you, you're people of great faith in God, but you struggle with believing in who you are. There's a truth and there's a lie. And whichever one you align yourself with becomes truth for you. He looked at me and he goes, Dad, this is maybe the most important conversation we've ever had. He's wiping his tears. I said, let me tell you one other thing. Moses and Joshua, you know who that is, son? He goes, I went to Sunday school. Not stupid. (laughs) I said, okay, well, Moses... Raised up Joshua, but it's a good thing he taught Joshua how to hear from God, and that was what he taught him, not to be like him. Because when Joshua went into the promised land, his leadership demands and what he needed to do was totally different than what Moses needed to do. Moses had a cloud by day and a fire by night. Joshua didn't. Moses had manna come up in the morning and was right there. And and the moment they went into the promised land, there was no more manna. Joshua had to teach them how to, to, to plant crops. There was battles in the promised land that weren't in the desert. In other words, I want you to know something. I'm a Moses for my generation, but you're a Joshua for yours. And you don't need to be like me to be everything God wants you to be. And he was wiping his tears and he goes, Dad, that is so mature of you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And I said, well, thank you, son. What do you mean by that? He says, I don't know many dads or moms that will allow their kids to be different, much less a pastor. It means a lot. I said, well, can I pray for you? And I hugged him and prayed for him. Now, as we close out this moment, I just want everybody in here, I just want to encourage you from the Father. He wants you to know you're his son. For real. You're his daughter. That's your identity. Not pastor. Not preacher. Son. Daughter. He loves you completely. Just like he loves Jesus. And you say, but I've messed up a lot. And people don't even know, even as a pastor, I've messed up. I got you. But here's the thing. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. I said, no, he says, I am pleased with you. I am pleased with you. But the essence of this has to be that whether you believe it. It comes back to my scripture verse as I'm in the car on the way to school. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's a freedom. There's a set free freedom that trades the lies of the enemy that came on you when you were five and eight and ten and set you free with a truth of who he is. And we all with open face, that means without a mask, (laughs) that means without a filter that's skewing who we see God as, a full revelation of father, a true perfect father, 
when we see him with a reflecting upon him, like it is in a glass, a mirror, reflecting on him in his presence as true father, we will be changed. That's when the change from glory to glory to glory to glory to ever increasing. Yes. 